tomb of the unknowns. For me, it represents all soldiers past, present, and future, and it states that we will never forget their honor and everything that they did for this country. This most sacred spot at Arlington National Cemetery is watched over by the 3rd U.S. Infantry Regiment, known as the Old Guard. Since 1948, the Sentinels have been keeping constant vigil 24 hours a day, every day, in the exact same way, regardless of the weather. Hey. During their 26-hour shift, the soldiers take turns walking the mat, changing guard every hour in the winter and every 30 minutes during the summer months. They stand guard in the worst of weather, from triple-digit heat to rain to snow. For me to go out there and sweat or get my uniform, you know, wet or what have you back in the day, that was, that was really nothing compared to what they did. They deserve all the honor, and it has nothing to do with me. When you're out there, it, no matter what the elements are, you perform at your best. The training helps that because you go through the motions of, of what to do over and over, and it's repetitive and it's precise every time. Hold up! You know, those people on the plaza gave everything. So, you know, the least we can do is go out there and just stand for an hour. The Sentinel badge is the second least awarded badge in the military, and only a few hundred have ever earned it. But for those who have, it's an experience they will never forget. Out of all the millions of men in the world, you know, um, I had the opportunity to do this. And, and not just me, but to be around a good group of people that, that you create a bond with that, that's going to last for a lifetime. If this job doesn't make you proud to be an American, I don't know. I don't know what does. you it isn't. This morning, Thanksgiving week, we want to give thanks for people that are often overlooked and unknown in the church. And I couldn't think of a better way to introduce that than to pause and give thanks for our country's commitment to honor those heroes that have given their lives in war that were unidentified and unknown. In other words, our country is saying, even though no one knows your name, we will take a moment to honor you and remember your sacrifice. It will not go unnoticed or forgotten. And for that, I think it's appropriate that we give thanks this morning for those unknown soldiers who have given their lives for our country. Let me hear your hands this morning. With the advance of DNA testing and genetic testing, it's pretty rare today to not be able to identify remains. But I am glad for a nation that says, just because we don't know your name, we will not forget your service. And meaning absolutely no disrespect, I think it's a wonderful illustration of the nature of God himself who says to us, whether anyone else ever remembers you, he keeps track of your sacrifice. And for a church to function as the kingdom of God, there are those of you that give sacrificially week after week, 
month after month, year after year, and probably often feel like no one knows and no one cares or no one recognizes the sacrifices that I make for the kingdom of God. And if the United States government sees value in recognizing the unknown soldier, I think it's appropriate for us at Brian at times to take a moment to give thanks for those who serve behind the scenes that no one knows. And I can assure you that your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you openly. God honors our sacrifice, whether anyone else does or not. So we've chosen on this Sunday before Thanksgiving to give thanks for our volunteers. It takes a lot of people to do what gets done here. And I just want to confess, I don't know what everybody does. I don't even know everybody's name and where they serve. But I'm not the one measuring out the rewards. Jesus is. So I want to give you an idea at the introduction of the message what it takes for Brian Church to function. And we tried to capture all of the volunteers and the number of volunteer spots it takes and to recognize that service that that you don't ever see. You come here on Sunday morning into the auditorium. You come on Wednesday night into Bible study and probably just take for granted that there are other things going on and have no idea the framework of service that's happening here in the building at the same time. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of an idea of that. Now, quantifying numbers is really difficult. So my original goal was to take all of the volunteer spots that we have and total them up if we had one person a month to fill those spots, how many people would it take? How many people would it take to not have to repeat? Now, in some cases, that's not even desirable. Because when we're working with kids on Wednesday, we want repeat. But to get an idea of how many spots, if we were to just have people serve once a month, we have 1,053 volunteer spots that need to be filled on a regular basis, on a monthly basis. Imagine that. How many spots have to be filled? So then, here's the point. Though hundreds have come, there's still room for you. In any capacity, there's room to serve. So let me give you an idea. In Promised Land on Sunday and Wednesday, how many are glad for Promised Land? It's not just a place to put kids while you come in here. They're being given the word of God that will shape them for the future. On Sunday and Wednesday per month, we have 164 positions to fill every month. Did you hear me? 164 positions that are currently being filled by 73 people. How many see a gap there? In worship arts, audiovisual, band and vocals, contemporary and classic, there are 148 spots to fill every month and there are 52 people filling those spots in filling station which is sunday rangers girls ministries jbq and kids musical there are 235 spots to fill every month that are being filled by 46 people i'm going to read that again there are 235 spots to be filled that are being filled by 46 people 
hospitality. We need greeters and ushers, coffee and van ministry that takes place. There are 128 spots to fill every month that are being filled by 37 people. When we talk about youth, which includes worship, media, sound, hospitality, middle school small groups, high school small groups, fine arts, and TBQ. There are 92 spots to be filled every month that are being filled by 29 people. Now, some of those are repetitive and some of those are okay. My wife teaches one of the small groups, girls groups, and she said, uh, yeah, I'm not trading that off every week. Some of those need consistency. How many are hearing what I'm saying? But I want you to feel the weight of the load of ministry that happens. Other weekly ministries, Young Adults, Freedom Community, Park Ridge, Young Adults have 84 spots being filled by 21 people. Freedom Community have 24 spots being filled by six people. Park Ridge has 16 spots being filled by six people. Then we have community engagement, which is connect groups. Our community engagement activities, the train. We have 32 spots during the summer to fill by the train, being filled by five individuals. A parade team and Super Sunday Family Fun Days. There's 83 um, individuals are involved in those ministries. We also have women's ministries in the meal team, 13 in WMs and 39 in the meal team. And then we also have our board and our missions team that factor into all of that. So in order for us to fill all of the spots of ministry that God's called us to fill, we need or we have 1,053 spots to fill on a regular basis. And those spots are being filled by 673 people, and many of those are repeat serving in multiple positions. How many are hearing what I'm saying? So I think to our volunteers who serve <laughs> and are not deterred by the dark cold or the sleet of night, to our volunteers who serve, I want this morning to say we love you and we thank you and the kingdom is being advanced because you're willing to serve in anonymity and behind the scenes and see the value in pouring into lives on a relational basis and to you I say thank you, God bless you, we love you and we couldn't build a kingdom without you. Let me hear your thanks. And at the end of the service, we have a special gift for you. And we're going to have a parade of champions. We'll have staff to meet you at the back table. It's not anywhere near what you deserve. It's just a simple token to say, we know you're there and we thank you for your service. So we're going to let you go first and let the volunteers lead the way. And the rest of you, if you would like to get a gift next year... Or God would burden your heart, we have room for you. There's room for you. God keeps good records. So this morning, I want you to see some of God's heroes, some of God's anonymous heroes in Scripture that served without fanfare or applause or an attaboy pat on the back. 
In Romans 16, verses 22 and 23, it talks about two men. One is named Tertius, and one is named Quartus. Those were not names, those were numbers. And in the Roman world, when a slave would have a child, they didn't give the child a name. They gave the child a number because they didn't know whether they would be able to keep that child or be put into service. And so they just numbered them. This is child one, this is child two, this is child three, this is child four. Talk about birth order and living with that all of your life. So you would say, uh, number, child number one, I need you to take out the trash. Child number three, I need you to feed the dog. Are you getting what I'm saying? No name, just giving an impersonal number. Tertius was the third child, likely possible, we don't know this, Quartus could have been a brother, but Quartus was the fourth child. You're never number one if you were born second. Their lives were lived in that kind of anonymity, even in, repla- in relationship to their own household. Tertius was a scribe for Paul, and I want you to watch this. Paul would dictate his letters, as was common in that day, would dictate his letters to a a scribe that would write it down, and then Paul would write the closing in his own hand so they knew that it was from him. And the scribes that were used to record or the dictation were never allowed to put anything in the letter or sign their name. It was by intention kept so that they could not sign or enter any recognition of who they were. But what scripture tells us is when it comes down to the closing of the text in Romans 16, Paul does something really, really unusual. It says in verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. That does not happen without the approval of the author of the letter. It would never happen. So here's what happens. Paul is dictating the book of Romans. Tertius is writing down his words. And there's a moment where Paul stops. And he says to Tertius with a quill in his hand, I want you to write a greeting from you. I want the world to know. I want everyone to know that this revelation of the salvation of God that we call the book of Romans has a recognition of anonymous service named Tertius. He is saying, I know you and God knows you and all of history will know you because you have served faithfully. I'm telling you what, God keeps track and he will make sure that your service doesn't go unrecognized. Paul wanted us to know who he was because God values those who serve. And then just a little later in the chapter is a man named Quartus. Quartus is associated with Erastus, who was the chief's director of public works. One calls him a treasurer. Erastus would have been the most powerful man in the city. He controlled the finances. He was in charge of everything that happens. Now watch. Here's Erastus, a, champ, or a, a high-level executive, and Paul says, Erastus, 
The chamberlain of the city greets you, as does number four, our brother. See, God doesn't see distinctions like we do. Are you hearing me this morning? He doesn't see distinctions like we do. In the same line, Paul says, Erastus greets you. And so does Cordus, the slave, our brother. God, are you hearing me? God keeps records of your service. I'm not going to ask you, but I'm sure everyone in the room who has ever served for any period of time has been in a spot at one moment or another that you felt like no one appreciates what you've done. Don't raise your hand because I know it's you. The only people who never feel that way are people who serve for praise. And they'll make sure they get it. But when you serve with a right heart and a right spirit, weeks can go by. Months can go by. You can serve for years and no one ever notice. But when you're doing it for the praise and glory of God, Romans 16 says, God saw Tertius, God saw Cordus, and God sees you. Your service will not go unrecognized. God will make sure that happens. God is not unjust, Hebrews says. He will not forget your work and love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. The kingdom of God isn't advanced by one or two people. And I love to be able to preach and I'm doing what God's called me to do, but the kingdom won't be built by a preacher. And Pastor Nathan knows it won't be built by a worship leader. It'll be built by a community of people who are willing to serve for the glory of God without fanfare or accolades that recognize that one day we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful service. Then if we go to John chapter six, there's the lad with the lunch. I love this story. The feeding of the 5,000, why did that happen? Because a little boy who had a sack lunch that was sent on his way by his mother, and we don't know how he got there or even if he was supposed to be there. But she packed him a lunch of five small loaves and two small fish. Now, let me give you an idea of what that really meant. They weren't loaves like we think of. They were biscuits, and the two small fish weren't large trout. They were like sardines. So he had a couple of sardines and a few biscuits in a bag or a basket, and apparently he's the only one that had anything there. Now, I don't know how you are, but if nobody else has any food and there's 5,000 others, I'm not sharing mine. I'm sneaking out the back. You didn't think about it. You didn't plan for it. I'm not helping you out. And all I've got are five little loaves and two small fish. And here comes a guy that you don't even know who says, hey, want to talk to you about your lunch. I'm running through the crowd. You're not going to catch me. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? What's happening in that moment? So they bring him to Jesus and said, here's a boy. They haven't taken it from him. Here's a lad with a lunch. But I talk about the understatement of eternity. Um, but what are these among so many? Five little biscuits, two small fish, 5,000 men plus women and children. How are we going to do this? And he willingly gives his lunch 
and watches a miracle firsthand that he would never have been able to see otherwise. He gave it all. He let, not with any promise of return, but he sees his lunch feed 5,000 plus women and children. He feeds them all plus 12 baskets full left over an abundance. How did that happen? Because a little boy with no name that we have no idea where he came from was willing to let go of his lunch. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying this. I, looks like you're not. The whole thrust being sometimes you'll give and think nobody notices. <laughs> Listen, I wish I, I really wish I could do this. I wish that I could somehow thank every one of you personally for your missions giving and your tithing and your special offering giving. I'd like to go around and shake your hand and give you a hug and pat you on the back and tell you what a great job you're doing. But then the whole thrust is we're not to do it publicly, we're to do it privately so that our Father who sees in secret can reward us openly. I think people are really funny, don't you? I remember was sharing this with someone this week pastoring a church and there was a man in the church that was a millionaire and we were taking a special offering and he came up to me afterwards and had a check in his hand. Remember those? He had a check in his hand and he said, hey, I, I, I want to give. I'm going to give more than I've ever given. And he's got tears in his eyes. God's really had to work on me to do this. And I'm thinking the project has been paid for. I mean, tears, millionaire, money, he drove fancy cars. He put it in my hand, tears, and walked away. I couldn't wait to open it. He gave me a check for 100 bucks. That's as big as his heart was. Are you hearing me? Apparently that day, God stretched him from a $10 giver to a $100 giver. I don't know. I think he needed some more stretching. But see, we don't do it to get praise from the church or from people. We do it because we honor God and we're storing up treasure in heaven. Come on, help me someone this morning. You can't outgive God. God will bless you. And this little boy saw an incredible miracle. We don't know his name. All we know him is as a little lad who had a lunch and gave it. There's an account in Acts chapter 10. When an angel appears to Cornelius, and the angel says this, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. There's not a prayer you pray or a dollar you give that God doesn't have it recorded, written down, and keeping track of your giving. The lad with the lunch, your sacrifice will not go unrecorded. Your service will not go unnoticed and your sacrifice will not go unrecorded. Then in Acts chapter 9, there's another great story. I love this story. Do you remember the great Apostle Paul? How many remember the Apostle Paul? Uh, eight of you. You need to take Launchpad or join JBQ. The Apostle Paul was originally Saul. Do you remember that? What did Saul do? He was a persecutor of the church. 
He stood by while Stephen was put to death and the, 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 the man named Saul attacked with ferociousness and, and viciousness and anger. A demonic kind of anointing was on him to attack and persecute the church. And then God strikes him down and he gives his life to Jesus and he does as much for the kingdom as he did against the kingdom. But you know what? Not everybody was happy about that. The Christians didn't trust him and the pagans resented him for his, he's in no man's land. Barnabas introduces him and becomes the gateway into the church and Paul is preaching now. He has a new name. He's preaching and being blessed and a day came when the Jews said he's starting to have an effect and the one that persecuted the church, we're going to have to kill him. So they conspire to put him to death and the believers realize they need to help him. So how does he escape? Well, there were small windows in the walls of the cities in the Middle East that were used for a variety of things. One author said that they would let trash down through that, but what was more common is food or goods, particularly fish, would be put in the basket and it would be pulled up to like the third floor and they would take it and then stuff would be let down to be taken out of the market. Most commonly it was used for fish. Have any of you been around fish? A fish bucket that's just been left. Do you know what that smells like? So they decide to let Paul down the outside of the wall in this basket. And they weren't, they weren't like six foot long, so he's got to curl up in there, get the lid on him, and let him down. You ever wondered who held the ropes? If you're in that basket and you're coming down from the third floor, and I'm just saying third doesn't say that, I'm third heaven, third floor, he's being let down. I do want to know the basket's solid. And I do want to know the ropes are solid. But none of that matters if whoever is holding the ropes isn't trustworthy. Do you, I'm going to suggest to you that the revival that hit Europe, the missionary journeys that happened, the tens of thousands that came to Christ rested on somebody holding the ropes. If the Jews had killed him, now, God's bigger than that. How, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, though, in the context of the way God worked, I picture, I don't know if there are two, I don't know how many there were, but I'm telling you what, I, if you're going to put me in a basket and hold the ropes, there are, there are a lot of people I'm not trusting. Some days my staff would like to let me down the wall in a basket. I'm just saying to you, I want to know that I'm in good with who's got the ropes. I want to know that I can trust them because my life depends on them. Anonymous people behind the scenes and you know what volunteers are now watch this here's what I believe about volunteers volunteers understand that their calling is to serve those 
who will supersede them in publicity and honor. They will never have the acclaim that Paul had, but they're the reason he had the acclaim. Success isn't about how many people are under you on the corporate ladder. It's about how many people you serve that are above you and over you. And, and volunteers don't say, well, I should get the credit. Why don't they call on me? You're in a place to serve. Volunteers understand the value of serving others who will outstrip them in success because they have a place in the kingdom that no one else can fill. Are you with me this morning? Who held the ropes? Who held the ropes? Some of you are holding the ropes <laughs> every week. Ranger leaders, girls ministry leaders, youth group leaders, um, young adults, every capacity in the church have had that troubled person to deal with. And you think, dear Lord Jesus, I'm not sure I can do this another week. Do you know what could be happening? You might be the one holding their rope. You might be the one keeping them connected. You might be the one providing for their ministry to develop. And you may never know what will happen in someone's life until you are willing to serve those who will outstrip your success. Not getting bitter. Why don't I get the reward? That's not what it's about today. Today it's about, are you willing to hold the rope for an apostle Paul and watch the world change because you did what you could do? Someone held the rope for those who would get the recognition and your support will not go unhonored. Paul owed them a great debt. Then last one that I want to call your attention to is the chief cupbearer. Volunteers step up. Volunteers step up. Do you remember a man named Joseph? And Joseph went to prison because he wouldn't commit adultery with Potiphar's wife. How many remember the story? And so he's in prison. And while he's in prison, there's a baker and a cupbearer that have a dream. And they're troubled by the dream. And Joseph tells them that God answers dreams. What's your dream? And so the cupbearer tells his story. And, Paul, and, and uh, Joseph says to him, what that means is, describes it all, you're going to be restored to your place of ministry. Well, the baker thought, that's pretty good. I want to know what mine means. So he tells his story, and Joseph says, well, here's what yours means. Uh, they're going to cut your head off and impale you on a spear. Uh, some dreams maybe should be left uninterpreted. So, and that's exactly what happens. The baker is found guilty and he's put to death and to intimidate others who would do likewise. He's impaled in front of them all, beheaded and impaled. And the cupbearer is released and given back his position of service. And Joseph said to them, to him, when God honors you, don't forget me. And like most people, when he got what he wanted, 
He forgot the one who served him. Forgot all about him. Some time goes by. We don't, time passes. And Pharaoh has a dream. In fact, he has two dreams. And no one can interpret them. And I wonder why somebody didn't step up and make up one. And it's because if they had and it hadn't come true, they'd have been put to death. They already saw what happened to the baker when you displease Pharaoh. And no one responds. And I think God also shut their mouth. And Pharaoh is, is concerned. He's upset. He's agitated. Light comes on. The cupbearer, the one closest to Pharaoh, says... I remember a man. I remember a man. Now, I'm not faulting the cupbearer for forgetting Joseph because if he had told it right away, it would have had no impact. It would have not had any effect on his space or place in the kingdom. But there was a moment that God created a scenario that somebody needed to step up. And in that moment, I believe prompted by God, the cupbearer said, I know a man. And the rest is history as Joseph leads in the preservation of Egypt. Listen, I can't tell you how many times in ministry, in some fashion, we've been in a spot that we needed help. And there's always a volunteer who may have forgotten their other service, but a volunteer, will, a person will step up and say, I'll be there. You can count on me. Now, here's what else I know. People that say, hey, call me anytime. <laughs> Generally don't mean it. But people who say, I'll be there when you call or hear about a need and say, I'll fill that. I'll take care of that. You need someone to take those third grade boys? <sighs> Volunteers step up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank God for people who when they hear a need and remember scenarios are willing to step up and be counted. Your stepping up will not go unappreciated. Joseph owes his life and ministry to a cupbearer who remembered his name. The church today, Pastor Nathan, if you come, the church today marches on because of anonymous heroes. People who serve without fanfare. It's what the kingdom of God is built on. The kingdom of God, we know the 12 apostles, but we don't know the hundreds of thousands who have served in the interim. And I thought on this Thanksgiving, I want to give thanks I want to give thanks for those of you that serve without a pat on the back, without a handshake, without accolades, without your name uh, up on the screen. Just you serve because it's God's call on your life. And I want to, you to know how much we appreciate you and that God keeps records. So if in this past year, we're going to end differently um, this morning. 
in this past year, if you've served in some capacity, whether it was helping with the train, helping with meals, the meal team and hospitality for funerals, in any capacity, you've served as a volunteer. You're one of those 200 and, and whatever the number is, 250 volunteers that serve on a regular basis here, 250 volunteers. I want you to stand right where you are. We want to honor you. You've been one of our volunteers. I want you to stand. This, stay standing, this isn't about Berean being successful. This is about the kingdom of God being advanced. You have to see it from that vantage point. It may not, I'm gonna try to end this. It may not feel that way when you're cleaning up puke in the nursery. Oh yeah, that's a real thing. But the kingdom is being advanced in those moments of service that go completely unappreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. I wanna pray for you. And then you are our parade of champions. We're gonna have you lead on the way out in just a moment, lead on the way out and walk past the gift table and they're gonna make sure that you're greeted and served for your volunteer commitment to the kingdom. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all of these, board, all of these volunteers that are standing that have chosen to serve you and honor you with their lives. God, we thank you for their commitment to the kingdom and ask that your anointing and blessing would be rich and real on their lives and that you would, that you would fuel them, that you would refire them, that there'd be a fresh anointing on their lives as they see the vision of the building of the kingdom in the midst of sometimes mundane service. Let your blessing be upon them. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So here's what we're going to do. The rest of you, I'm going to have you just wait for a minute. Pastor Nathan's going to lead us in um, some worship. And, but I want, I want those of you that are standing right now to move, not to the table yet, just move to the back. Would you do that? I want you to move to the back aisle. I want to see you as a parade of champions this morning. Those in the balcony, if you can come down here, that'd be great. We'd love to have you come down if you're physically able to do that. And we're gonna let you lead the way. And as they do, I'd say to everyone else, there's places at the table, there are places to serve. And if God would speak to your heart, we'd love to have you be a part of that. Let's all stand together now. And as they're exiting the table, Pastor Nathan's gonna lead us in some worship and let's give God praise for faithful people who serve the kingdom. And those of you at the back, go ahead and begin to, you get to go out first with honor and walk past the table. One more time, give it up for the volunteers. All that you've done, I will thank you for all that you're going to you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through Jesus
Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord. standing out here that you're building the kingdom by supporting with your presence and your giving and your commitment to the kingdom so this is in no way disrespectful to you thank you for what you do we can't reach people without people here to worship without talking to neighbors without giving to the building of the kingdom and you are valued just as much i just wanted to say this week there's room if you want to get involved in serving we've got spots for you but thank you for what you're currently doing thank you for what you've done in the past and thank you for your commitment to brian church we love you and glad that you're here let's give jesus a hand this morning amen Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Shake someone's hand and be an encouragement to someone today.